Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, and welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm Dr. Rupert Shaler, and I'm so glad you're here. If you're joining me for the first time, welcome. And if you found value and returned, that's great, too. We're going to be talking about how hijackals exploit your longing for love and for belonging. And those longings for love and belonging are very organic. They're very much part of the natural way of being. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with having those longings. But a hijackal sees you coming. And you know, you dated so you would find someone to share your life with. You want to find that person. You want to form a healthy bond and you want to feel safe. And then you wake up one day and realize you don't feel like you're in a healthy relationship or that you have a healthy bond or that it has all that you want to continue being part of. So the hijackal enters in the dating, the hijackal, the narcissistic person, and that's not their plan. They're looking for someone who's going to give them what they want, uh, have no needs, ask for anything, do their bidding. Is that sounding familiar to you? That's what hijackals want. And they want, they want to put up with, they want you to put up with their, nonsense in order to believe that they love you. And they'll tell you that much. They will. And so when you see this, you can make an informed decision, a much more educated decision about who this person is and whether you want them in your life. There's nothing wrong with wanting love and belonging. But if you've run across a hijackal, you've probably been exploited. So it's natural to want to belong. We're biological creatures. We live in community. We come in families. We want to have that. We want to have other people that we feel safe with. People who will help us survive. People who will walk through things with us and we don't have to be alone. That's natural. That's organic. That's good. And hijackals know that. And if you're not familiar with my term, hijackals is the term I created so we could talk about people with the patterns, traits, and cycles uh, of wanting to hijack the relationship for their own purposes and then relentlessly scavenging that relationship for power, status, and control. So if you've been with a hijackal, they are just sitting there, sitting in wait, saying, Let me find somebody who really wants all that, and then I will exploit them and get what I want, although they'll never get what they want. And I know that's really hard to hear because you're invested. Maybe you have invested years. You've given up things. You've bought into their promises, and you don't want to hear that it's not going to change. But it's probably not going to change. So for something a little different tonight, I wanted to share with you just how organic and natural the desire to belong is and share with you one of my 
favorite poet philosophers and what he had to say about that. And that's John O'Donohue. If you haven't read him, I really invite you to do so. But he said these wise words, and maybe they'll touch your mind and heart too. He said, may you listen to your longing to be free. May there be kindness in your gaze when you look within. Isn't that lovely? May there be kindness in your gaze when you look within. We tend to be very harsh critics of ourselves. Maybe there's not much kindness in our gaze when we look within. But we could cultivate that. We could think about that now and be kinder to ourselves. And then he went on to say, the hunger to belong is at the heart of our nature. Cut off from others, we atrophy and turn in on ourselves. The sense of belonging is the natural balance of our lives. There is some innocent childlike side to the human heart that is always deeply hurt when we are excluded. When we become isolated, we are prone to being damaged. Our minds lose their flexibility and natural kindness. We become vulnerable to fear and negativity. We become vulnerable to fear and negativity. Fear and negativity sounds very much like a hijackal, doesn't it? Always instilling fear, always looking at the negative. And just one more piece from John O'Donohue. That last bit was from a book I really enjoyed of his called Eternal Echoes. And he said this, Our hunger to belong is the longing to find a bridge across the distance from isolation to intimacy. Our hunger to belong is the longing to find a bridge across the distance from isolation to intimacy. Everyone longs for intimacy and dreams of a nest of belonging in which one is embraced, seen, and loved. Something within each of us cries out for belonging. So you see how natural it is, how organic it is, how it is part of our nature to desire to belong. And then we meet a hijackal. And a hijackal doesn't want to belong. He wants, or she wants, or they want you to belong to them. That's a very different dynamic. They don't want to come together as equals. They want to have power over you. They want to have control. They want things their way. They want to be the arbiter of what's right and what's going to happen. And they won't have one minute of criticism if they have their way. So I put the word exploit in the title for a very, very, very good reason. And that is because exploit means to make full use of and derive benefit from. Now, every hijackal wants to make full use of you and derive benefit from you to their satisfaction. It doesn't mean anything about what you want. They are going to exploit you. They're going to exploit your vulnerabilities. 
They're going to exploit your desire for love. They're going to exploit your desire to belong. They're going to do that because it's all about them. And they want you to meet their needs. And they want to have you to use in order to do that. So a narcissist, a hijackal, any of these relentlessly difficult folks will show you love and act in loving ways. But it's all conditional. It is not reciprocal. It is not equal. It is not mutual. It is definitely them in control and you being controlled. So anything that looks like love or that you think feels like love is actually an act of condition and therefore they're in control. And it depends on what you're willing to give them as to how satisfying the relationship is to them and therefore to you. Now, as a healthier human, you're going to want to give them anything and everything because you think, if I go all in, they will see that and respond and they'll be happy. But we talk about that so frequently. That's what I call being hooked on hope. Hijackal humans are not like healthier humans. They don't want the same things. They don't value the same things. They're not looking for the same things. So in a hijackal relationship, hijackals always make the relationship transactional. You give me what I want, and I might be nice to you. You give me what I want, and I might stay off your back for a minute. But it's all about you give me. That's the way it works. And hijackals can and do seem to engage in loving behaviors, but it's not healthy love. You know, I've read an ebook about that. If you if you don't know what healthy love is, or you don't think you've experienced, hop on over to emergingempowered.com and just click on, on the books section. And I wrote a little ebook there called What Healthy Love Is and How to Know If You Have It. Because for many people who find themselves with hijackals, they haven't really understood the dynamics of healthy love. So you might think that they're being loving, but it is not healthy. They don't love you for who you are. That's the sad part. They have an idea of you. They have an idealization of you. And they fall in love with their hopes and dreams and ideas about you as the perfect partner they have in your head. They're not seeing you. They're not interested in you. In terms of, tell me more, tell me more, I want to know you. What looks like interest in you is what you find out later. That all the things you shared, just finally thinking you'd met this wonderful person with whom you were safe. This person who was curious about you. This person who made you feel you could tell them anything. You learned sooner or later that basically what they did was they were gathering and remembering all your fears, all your insecurities, all your vulnerabilities, so they could weaponize them later in the relationship. I know we don't want to think about that, but that's what happened, isn't it? They just keep bringing up your pain and making it worse. 
because that's what they were doing in that early stage when you felt safe and you thought you'd found your soulmate. They were really gathering and weaponizing things for later use. And that's so sad. So when you're not living up to their made-up idea of who you are, because they weren't seeing you in the beginning. They were investing in you as who they had decided you are and what you needed. So that their made-up picture of who you are and how you should be was all about meeting their own needs. And you're not that person. And now they're angry about that. They're angry about that. And they did it all within their own minds. You didn't do a bait and switch, but in their head, they did. They saw you. They saw what they thought they could get from the relationship, what they thought they could get you to give them from the relationship. And they didn't see who you are or what you value or what your vision for your life is or what you want or what you need or what you'd enjoy. They were just little heat-seeking missiles looking for where could I have power over them? I know it sounds really awful and you don't want to believe in the awfulness, but I know that you know that there's a lot of that that goes on. So they're exploiting you. First of all, they don't really see who you are because they're seeing their idealized version of the relationship. And then they love bomb you, and it's an acquisition tool. Basically, love bombing is an acquisition tool, treating you, not you who you are, but treating the idealized picture they made of you. And they, they fall for who they want you to be and not how you are. And they fall for how you can serve their needs, not how they can meet yours. So they use you rather than love you. And that's sad. And it's a sorry state of affairs. And for most people, they don't want to believe it. It's hard to believe. You know, someone asked me when I was being interviewed on a show the other day, and they said, what's the number one thing that you find most comes up in helping people with their toxic relationships? And I said, truly, the number one thing is to help people actually believe there really are people like that. Because they want to justify, rationalize, excuse the behaviors. They don't want to believe that there are people with that kind of wiring. And I know because you're kind, because you want to be in love, you want to be in an equal relationship, you're longing for that. Of course you buy in. Of course, don't ever, don't ever make yourself wrong for buying in. However, when you start seeing that there really are people who behave like that and you're not making them behave like that, you are at the beginning stages of realizing that this is not something that can be fixed. They're exploiting you and you are hoping to save them and it will never happen. You can't save them and you need to stop letting them exploit you.
it's a big one, really a big one. Another thing is if they loved you, it's kind of strange, but if they actually loved you and who you are, they wouldn't demand that you change, right? And yet they do. They demand that you change. You're always not good enough. You're always being blamed. You're always being shamed. You're always being put down or worn down or torn down. But they said they loved you. You. Do you see how clear it is that they didn't see you? They saw this idealized picture of someone who would meet their needs and serve their purposes. And then they said they loved you. Because that's what you wanted to hear. But if they loved you, they wouldn't be demanding that you change. Really get that. A person who loves you loves you for who you are. They know you. They don't love you for what they can make of you or what uses they can make of you. But hijackles do. And there really are people like that. And if you're listening to this podcast, I believe you've probably met them. And if you want to talk to me personally about all that, I offer a one-time new client introductory offer of only $97 for a whole hour to talk about this. And you'll find that at BeAClient.com. BeAClient.com. Okay, so they, they want to change you. But they loved me. And now they want to change me. Those things don't go together. So once the love bombing is over, that's, you know, when the hijackle is trying to impress you. And they see you because it's over now. And they're disappointed because you're real. And they weren't seeing the real person. And you're reminding them of what realness is. And... You have flaws, and that's not okay because it's not okay for them to have flaws. So now they're a little bit angry about that, and they are just like, Mm-mm, not going to happen on my watch. We are not going to have this realness. It is not going to happen because this person may or may not ever meet my needs. So narcissists feel that they have to be in control and they need to be in control of you, and they see themselves as smarter than you, more important than you, um, more able than you. So they devalue you so that they can feel better about themselves. Now, that's a sad equation, isn't it? I'll put you down so I can feel better about myself. I'll make you feel small so I can be bigger. And you notice that's what they do at home. But in public, they don't do that so much because, and for those of you who've listened to me for quite a while, you know, hijackles paint a public picture of perfection while at home they provide a private place of pain. So you see their worst and the world doesn't. Then when you go to someone and say, they behave like this, they say, how can you do that? You know, I had two hijackal parents. And I was quite young when I realized that they, they were dysfunctional. And I went to somebody and I said, I don't think I can live with my mother anymore. 
And they were, how could you say that? She's wonderful. She does this. She does that. You know, she supports hospice. She sells tickets for hospice. She's always here and there. You're ungrateful. Well, that was a non-starter. I learned early on that no one was going to believe me who she really was. And that's the way it goes, doesn't it? You've probably had that experience. You try to tell somebody that you really need someone to tell how they are at home. And they tell you that it must be your fault because they're so wonderful in the community or in the workplace or in the church. Sad. Dysfunctional. Nasty. Mean. And did I mention dysfunctional? Yeah. So they idealize you when they're love palming, and then they devalue you once they realize you're human because they don't want to be part of that. They don't want to be in that human category. You remind them of their flaws, and they refuse to acknowledge those flaws because that's too hard for them. Now, we won't go putting on our compassion hats, but, you know, they've had problems in their life. They've been injured, and these injuries, emotional injuries, have set them up to behave in the ways that they do. And so you remind them that they have flaws, and they refuse to accept that. So what do they do? They project their flaws on you. So what they know is true of them, they don't hold themselves accountable for at all. They just quickly turn around and say, no, that's how you behave. The things they're most afraid of are true of them. They accuse you of doing, right? That's how it goes. That's how it goes. And they're sure all the flaws in the relationship are yours. Absolutely sure. So exploiting, making full use of, making full use of. Uh, that's hard, isn't it? Making for, full use of you and then carrying on to make even more benefit that they can derive from you. And the dynamic works because you think, oh, I need to try harder. I need to change a little. I need not to ask for so much. I need not to nag. I need to be more patient. So you keep thinking, oh, well, I'll just do something and then it'll get better. And that's natural and healthy until you realize that the equation is so far out of balance. You are doing all the making yourself into a pretzel while they're standing there filing their nails. And demanding more and accepting no responsibility, no accountability for how they're behaving. So they exploit your love for them and your desire to belong. And they exploit it with future faking, with gaslighting, with blame shifting, all the things that I've spoken of in other episodes. And you buy into the future faking. Oh, well, it'll be better when or I'm going to change, or I'll stop drinking, or whatever they promise, just to get you off their back in the moment. But it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know that because other things have not happened that were promised. 
they'll do anything to make you wrong and small while they elevate themselves to being right and superior. And that's just the way they roll. It's sounding familiar. I know it's kind of shining light on dark corners, but it's really important to see this clearly because another nasty thing they do is they play on your fear of rejection and your fear of abandonment. They play on it. Like, I can make you really upset. I can make you do what I want you to do. All I have to do is threaten to cheat or threaten to leave or threaten to take the kids away from you or threaten to tell lies to other people about who you are or threaten to get you fired. And they do. They do threaten all those things, and they do some of them just to prove that they're powerful and to prove that you're not good enough. Please don't ever believe that. That's something they need to believe, but you don't need to believe it. They want you to believe you're not good enough, but it's not true. It's not true. And that's why you can never please them, because the three must-haves of a healthy adult relationship that I talk about in episode 115 are unavailable in a relationship with a hijackal. You'll never get equality. You'll never get reciprocity. You'll never get mutuality. They are unavailable. And yet you're expected to put up with their constant criticism of you. That's a high price to pay a truly high price to pay. But they expect that you will put up with it because they think that they are so valuable. And really what they're doing is using you. And of course, every now and again, they throw you a breadcrumb or two. They bring you flowers or they um, take you to your favorite restaurant or whatever it is that, you know, pleases the partner. And you're just so overwhelmed with it. Oh, they really do love me. That you don't see that it was just a tiny breadcrumb to keep you hooked. I did a whole episode on that a couple of weeks ago. So you can look for that. But every now and again, they throw you those breadcrumbs and you bite. And you continue believing they love you. Hijackals don't have love to give you. They have uses for you. Now, when somebody has uses for you under the guise of pretending that they love you and that they will straighten you out and they want the best for you and that's why they have to criticize you and tell you to change, please stop believing it. That's emotional abuse. And if you find that you can now say, I am being emotionally abused, high five. It's a hard thing to come to say because who wants to say they're abused? But you entered into the relationship with all goodwill, thinking that you were going to enter a healthy relationship and you were willing to put your more than your fair share in. Bring him. Hijackal saw you coming and their intention was to exploit to make full use of you, to make full use of you and derive all the benefit they can from you. But what's, what did you get? 
empty promises, a dream somewhere, someday, one day, maybe, soon, could be, a whole lot of nebulous clouds surrounding everything. So when you really come to grips with the fact that a hijackal is really using you, and using you is abusing you, then maybe this will help you say, oh no, I'm not going to tolerate this a minute longer. This is not okay. I see it clearly now. And it's not okay. And if you need help with how to talk to the hijackal or strategies to employ, again, go to beaclient.com. And if you've never talked to me before, you can use that one-time opportunity. Or if you want to be part of my community, Emerging Empowered Community, you can go to joinintoday.com. One of the big benefits of being a member there is you get three times a month the opportunity to be on a group call and ask me your questions. And that's a great way to be part too at joinintoday.com. So think about this word exploit. Do you feel exploited? Do you feel used? Do you feel like someone else is deriving all kinds of benefit from the relationship, but it's not equal or reciprocal or mutual? Oh, and you really have looked at that equation and said, no, this is not enough. Let's talk. And until we do that, take very good care of yourself because you're precious and you matter. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some insights, ideas, and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with $1 or $5 each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Also, learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my Emerging Empowered community, subscribe to this podcast, find my books, all by visiting EmergingEmpowered.com. Talk soon.